0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Uh, I'm your host, a guest host this week, Andrew Stewart, as uh, your normal hosts are not available for whatever reason, and I'm joined in the uh, studio by Stu Brennan. Hello, there. and Cybakowski. How are you doing? Very well. All the better for having you, Andrew. Oh, thank you very much. It's so, nice to have a new face. <laughs> new face a new voice for the podcast. I don't think I'll be around for too long, but you never know. They might give me a job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're just going to get straight into it this week. Uh, obviously, it was the uh, derby on Sunday. Uh, what did you make of City's performance against United? Obviously, way below what we've
1: come to expect from City. Uh I kind of felt that the mindset wasn't quite right going into the game. Uh, Just little things. The fact that uh, the manager rotated it. He rotated his full backs, obviously looking ahead to the Real Madrid game next week. Um, Kevin De Bruyne has an injury. I mean, the the news coming out of his camp is that it it isn't that bad, but it's a case of wrapping him in cotton wool. That kinda of sends a message that, you know, this isn't as important a game as next week. Which it isn't, if you if you look at it from Pep Guardiola's point of view, some city fans might see it differently. Um and then just little things. I mean, it's you can't always take a lot from what Pep says at his press conferences, but at his press conference on the Friday before the game he was asked about the Manchester Derby and he described it as nice. Now, nice is not he's probably the last word on the planet you should use to describe a derby. It's the most damning verdict on any derby and it I'm I'm not saying that that communicated itself to the players but just adding it all together it felt like city weren't quite 100% there. Having said that, I mean the first 20 minutes he totally bossed the game. They dominated United uh, and it looked like it was only going to go one way, but we've seen that many times against United recently. Where City have, have a big dominant spell, United weather it and then come back and, and hit them,
2: and that's that's exactly what happened again. City's performance was nice, wasn't it? They nice. Had, they had loads of the ball, um, passed it around a lot. You know, out United, really quite significantly. I think it was like eight hundred to three hundred passes, at nearly eighty percent possession. But there was no absolutely no nastiness to them, absolutely no spark or drive or anything to. Um, to cause United any problems and Edison could not have been nicer to United in terms of letting them score twice, nearly let a third in through sort of just not not concentrating, it felt like they didn't have both of their eyes on the ball both literally and figuratively It's interesting
1: you talked about the lack of drive um, we spoke to Will Kai Gundogan afterwards and he did something that you don't often hear players do uh, post-match and he threw up the fact that Kevin De Bruyne wasn't playing and said how much they missed him. Now, again, that, that's just a little... Mm. Normally, if you ask about a player, did you miss a player, the stock answer is, well, no, you know, because we've got a great squad and the players who come in are just as good and so on. But there's Gundogan volunteering the fact that De Bruyne was a big miss in the game, which he obviously was. Um, but again, that just feeds into this idea that that City... You know, if if you pick a if you pick a a team that's not right for the occasion, you know, if if you pick a pick half a team when you're playing Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, people understand that and the players get it. But when you play Manchester United at Old Trafford in a derby match and you don't go for a full full strength team, yeah, you've got to get the it, right team for that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, and you you've got to have the players tuned into what you're doing as well. And if the players are thinking, well, the manager's not taking this especially serious. He's he's looking ahead. So do they mentally? Do they start looking ahead? And it did feel a little bit like that with you know, with with City on on Sunday,
2: and, and Guardiola was at pains in the press conference to s- <coughs> to say that of course they took it seriously and they were going full throttle, and he thought they played really really well. And of course they didn't miss Kevin De Bruyne, um, but when we kind of said, well, if you played so well, what went wrong? Um, He said, well, Ilkay Gundogan and Bernardo Silva didn't do enough when they got the ball in the final third. So, there you are. They didn't miss Kevin De Bruyne, but the two midfielders that were in Kevin De Bruyne's position didn't do enough, right? So, they kind of did, didn't they, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's like Stu says, if you sort of go into this game, not taking it as seriously, and I mean Guardiola's done it before. He did it in twenty eighteen when they won the league and they had the league wrapped up and he prioritised Liverpool in the Champions League and they could have beaten United and they should have done with the chances they had, but they didn't. And again, you're like if you if you're not hundred percent focused on it, you can't really complain when you lose.
1: What well, what has been quite funny though is the fact that you know united fans are, are treating it like it's a massive moment <laughs> i'm not so sure about that i mean united played well don't get me wrong i thought you know they definitely improved since since they placed it in the carabao cup semi final mm-hmm. but you know they still look a pretty ordinary side to me and they won the game through two mistakes
0: yeah and, and we need to get onto those i mean the uh, the free kick that led to the uh, the first goal what do you make of that well, it's interesting to see what the players made
1: of it. I mean, we spoke we spoke to Gunderwin, who was really annoyed because it was him that the free kick was awarded against. And he clearly didn't touch Bruno Fernandez. He he ran past him. whether he, you know, and Gunderwin's not quite fast enough to generate enough wind to blow Fernandez over, I'm pretty sure. But that that seems to be what happened. And Fernandes did a dramatic spin and tumble to the floor. And uh, Gundogan didn't want to accuse him of diving afterwards, but he said that he he fell over shouting, you know, which which is pretty damning. The referee was right there, you know. M- you could argue that um, Gundogan was on the on the other side of the player, so he couldn't quite see whether there was any contact or not. But Gundogan sort of indicated that he felt the referee thought it might have been a foul, so he gave it, which shouldn't really happen. Um, that was his take, and it obviously as the player involved in it. But Zinchenko was interesting because Zinchenko, when he was asked about it, basically said, "Well, these things happen in football. You've got to get on with it." And he was more concerned about the way City defended um, the free kick because we had Aguero and Gundogan standing around Anthony Marshall, meant to be keeping an eye on him. Marshall made the made the run, and Aguero, who's so fast at the other end, you know, he reacts so quickly when it's him that's chasing a ball through. You know, he beats defenders with that with that mental sharpness. He was really slow to react. Um, Gundogan isn't quick anyway. And Marshall then then gets a free shot and Edison fluffs it and it goes under him and, and that's 1-0. So, uh, I mean, it, it was never a free kick. But having said that, for me, I, I think Si might disagree with this, but for me, United should have had a penalty uh, when Ottomendi clattered into Fred Um so you know you you, you can't people, City fans can't shout too loudly about about the the free kick because perhaps they, they got the, the benefit of a, a poor decision on the on the penalty.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, I don't disagree. Actually, I think it was a penalty, but All right. um, I don't think it was a free kick. But it just doesn't excuse what City did next. And Fernandinho led a wave of City players complaining about the decision and. Fernandinho got booked and then none of them did the jobs properly to let United score. And then Rodri's booked immediately as United are celebrating because he's still complaining about the free kick. They just can't afford to do that. It, like Those are the big moments that Guardiola always goes on about in the league, in the Champions League, that define whether you win games, whether you win knockout ties, whether you go through. And to a man, they switched off, which helped give the feeling that yeah, they weren't fully concentrating and that United wanted it more um, and then that period where uh, Otamendi should have given the penalty away was in that kind of 10 minutes after United's first when a City went from completely dominating the game to just being overrun and we've seen it happen before where like often they concede one and one brings two and yeah, they did well not to concede a second but they got a bit of help from the ref to not do that even if the free kick shouldn't have been
0: yeah, and um, looking at a few of the other players on the uh, the pitch yesterday, Edison he made a, a few mistakes as well, didn't he? Which we've touched on a little bit. But uh, what did what did you all make of
1: that? I, I feel with Edison, um, you know, he's he's he's, he was, he's been so good for City since he came, um, principally because of what he does with his feet. You know, he's a, he's a great footballing goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. He, he becomes an eleventh outfielder. I think there have been. Several times where his actual goalkeeping ability has been called into question, um, there have been others when he's been excellent you know he's made important saves. And I think back to Tottenham in the in the Champions League last season when uh, he didn't cover himself with glory um, and in this one again, I mean it's tough being a keeper in this city team uh, because keeping you, keeping your focus and your concentration when most of the play is at the other end of the pitch is sometimes sometimes difficult. Um but he had to make that save. You know, Marshall. Marshall took the shot on the volley, didn't catch it particularly cleanly. Um and it was very saveable and his his hand goes over the ball and it sneaks under him and, and goes into the goal. Um, now if that had been the only error you'd just just write it off and say, well it happens. But he then let the ball under his foot in the second half. Very lucky to get away with that one. Marshall almost turned that one in. He just managed to clear it in time. And then in added time, he... Uh, I mean, you can make excuses. It was a slippery ball. The rain had started to heave down by then. He went to throw the ball out. And this is meant to be Edison's big plus, his distribution. He threw the ball straight to Scott McTominay, who knocked it back past him. And that's 2-0. I'm not sure the second goal mattered because City weren't looking like they were going to score anyway at that point. No, um, it was so late in the game as well. So he was, it was, but he kind of put a cap on it and it put a cap on Edison's misery. Um, I mean, Ilkay Gunderman said, told us afterwards that, um, you know, he was he was angry and frustrated and disappointed with himself. He's beating himself up about it, which which you would expect, really. Um, but he, now it's about him sort of soaking up the, the lesson and coming back
2: stronger. And yeah, no. sorry, his worst game since Liverpool a few years ago when he sort of when Salah beat him from forty-five yards. I think it was worse
1: than that. I mean, that was yeah, that was poor. That was a. Uh, I think mean, it was similar to the McTominay one, wasn't it? You know, just yeah, the ball yeah, yeah, ball, mean, the, yeah, yeah, that's uh, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I feel
2: like he was really good the start of the season and made a number of excellent saves that won city games and kept them drawing when. They shouldn't have been. And then he got injured at Atalanta and I don't really think he's been quite at the top of his game since. He got sent off at Wolves, didn't he, around Christmas. And he just made a few uncharacteristic errors and there has been a bit of sort of his brilliance being normalised because there was still a few times yesterday where he came out and cleared things and he's just like, oh, that's Edison. Um, but yeah, it was his, the worst game he's had in a long, long time. It's
1: tough as a goalkeeper because you make an error and you know, half the time it leads to a goal. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean, you look at Nicolas Otamendi yesterday, you you couldn't point the finger at him. I mean, he, he was lucky to get away with a penalty, but you couldn't point the finger at him for, for the goals. But he was quite horrendous, you know. And he has, <laughs> has been just about the entire season. And it, the fact that he is seen as the player, you know, with Laporte injured... He's a player who comes in is is a quite an indictment on on City's squad. Really, uh, we know they didn't replace Company in in the summer, um, but John Stones wasn't even in wasn't even in the squad. We had Eric Garcia on the bench, so you, you, I mean, yet again, again, John Stones' future has got to be called into serious question. If he's not making the bench uh, when they, they they were one central defender down from the summer, and then there are another they're the best central defender down in Laporte. Uh, and he's he's got a teenager ahead of him on the bench, um, John Stones.
2: Unless he's he's got a problem that that we don't know about, um, he, he had a slight problem. But at this point of the season, yeah, like he's been injured half the season. If you want to be a top defender, mm-hmm. you've got to be fit, and that's half his problem. So it's not you know it, it's better to be left out of the squad because you're injured than because you're just not picked. But because uh-huh. it's happened so often with Stones, it's not. Yeah. It's no longer kind of as mitigating as it could be for him. Yeah, I
1: mean it, it's, it's not the it's not the, you know it's happened to him several times before this season where he, he has been fully fit. Yeah, and he's 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 not even made the bench. Um, but Otamendi is a complete liability, um, and I think it makes it even worse when you've got Otamendi on that side of the defense with Zinchenko alongside him because Zinchenko is not a full-back back which, you know, when he's called upon to defend, he's not great. I mean, uh, there is a um, there is a viewpoint that that he, he has become a better left back than Benjamin Mendy in terms of his defending. Um, now, I would have agreed with that last year, but I think Mendy's improved. I think Mendy has become a better defender this season, um, and Zinchenko has gone a little bit backwards. I thought he was awful when when he was being run at, and the fact that he. he Zinchenko was doing the inverted th- mid thing by going into midfield and, and sort of adding to City's numbers in midfield. Every time he does that, he leaves a massive gap on that left flank, and the only person covering that that gap is Otamendi, who's the slowest player on, on City's books. I swear. And you know you've got Daniel James um, going down that side. Uh, Wamba Saka uh, got forward as well. He was not the best attacking fullback, but he he looked good at times because, you know, he was up against two defenders who who don't don't defend very well. Um, so also he was completely exposed and uh,
0: got away with it, apart from the fact that he should have conceded that penalty. Right. Um we're going through a lot of the players. I guess we need to go through sort of the overarching question, the one that's going to set social media ablaze as well. <laughs> and um, hopefully you'll get a bit of uh, feedback, nice feedback maybe, um, to the um, Twitter and Facebook, etc. for this one. Do you think that City are binning off the Premier League this year? Does it seem that way to you? It, go <laughs>
2: ahead, sorry. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, it was it was tough because that, that was basically our line of inquiry to Guardiola after the game. And he said, you know, you look at how we ran and how we pressed and how, you know, United couldn't string three passes together and you tell me that's a team that's not focused. But everything else suggested that they were. I mean, it could well be that it was just a really off day against United, which they've had too many of this season, um, where... They've just not been good enough at creating and they've not been good enough at keeping opposition teams out. But, I mean, Guardiola himself said before the game, he said, we've got three really important Premier League games, but the really important games are Newcastle and Real Madrid. And that kind of tells you where where they're at. And the players all know that they can't win the league. So it's pretty natural that they would want to focus on the competitions that they can still win. Um second place isn't really under any threat because the chasing pack aren't good enough to put any pressure on so they're kind of in a no man's land in the Premier League um, and team selections e- even if the performance didn't suggest that they were binning off the pr- Premier League the team selection pointed towards we've got other priorities here I would say
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with all of that uh, and now I've got to think of something new to say <laughs> Um, He's put you on the spot there,
0: hasn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, as always. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, and the problem is, is they've got two more league games between now and and Real Madrid. Real Madrid's a big one; everyone knows that. You know, the desire to win the Champions League is huge. Um, and the, the problem is that people kind of think that they ju- S- some of the fans have reacted like the job's been done, you know, by winning two one on the Bernabeu. But Real Madrid have not finished. You know, Real, Real Madrid have got a Long proud tradition in the Champions League, and they'll be coming to to Manchester expecting to win and expecting to overturn it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, it's tough. It's tough to you know get the players focused on Arsenal on Wednesday night and then on Burnley uh, at the weekend um, when they know they all know that the big one is is sort of looming. City have been good at that in the past you know they've been good at, uh, at moving the squad around you know Pep's put out teams have been good enough to win games um, really when you look at that team I know we changed the fullbacks and they were without Kevin De Bruyne but that, that should have been a good enough team to beat United mm-hmm. um, but they've they had a lot of players below par I mean Raheem Sterling has gone into his shell um, we, we don't know what's what's gone on with him uh, since since the new year Um Sergio Aguero started really well. He nutmegged Harry Maguire, which which the City fans enjoyed enormously, um, and he he sort of bullied Luke Shaw into giving up possession, which created a really good chance for Sterling, which he fluffed. Um, so, in, in, individuals have not been performing. Now that it's t- it's not good because those players then have to step it up when Real Madrid comes along, and I, I'm very much the school of thought that. You want momentum. You want your players playing well going into a game like that. There's too many players didn't play well against United, um, and they've got to and they've got to pick it up somehow between between now and that Real Madrid game. Um, and th- to do that, they've got to perform in the league. They've got to go out and play against Arsenal. They have got to go out and play against Burnley and try and win those games, and then bounce into the Real Madrid game. If they don't, if they don't beat Arsenal. And they they don't play well against Burnley and, and don't win that one. And we've seen what Burnley can do. Burnley went to Old Trafford and won two 0 not so long ago. Um, you know they're always the, the, some of the last opposition you want to face before you, before you play Real Madrid. Um, if, if they don't if they don't get it right, they'll be going into the, the game um, on the back of three ordinary results or three bad results. And I, I don't think that's
2: that's ideal when you when you're going into a huge game. It, it felt like West Ham and Leicester were quite important for for going to Real Madrid. Yes, exactly. you know they had that win after the break, and then Leicester was quite an important game in terms of getting them ready. So they kind of need that momentum. But is it's, it's like you say, like most of the team that started yesterday were um, were the team you'd expect to start against Real Madrid. But I kind of feel like Walker, Mendy, and De Bruyne are almost like the three names you put first on the team sheet for that game, mm, yeah. Be- especially after Sunday, because if you're going to have to play Otamendi, there's no way you can play Zinchenko next to him, otherwise Real Madrid will just do what United did, but worse. Um, Walker is undisputedly the number one, and De Bruyne can do things that Gundogan, and Bernardo can't, so three very important misses on Sunday for the game.
1: Yeah, it's a different feel. Yeah, you brought up the fact that they played Leicester and West Ham before the first like there wasn't a feel going into those games. West Ham felt like a a must-win game and a game that they would win. Leicester felt like a, a really big game. You know, we we, yeah. we were billing it as three big games in a week, Leicester away, Real Madrid away, and then the Carabao Cup final.
2: Yeah.
1: And that that's that's, that's seems to have been the mindset of the the city players going in. Um it doesn't really feel that way. Arsenal and Burnley just feel no. like like they're in the way. They've got to get them yeah. over and done with, kind of thing.
2: But having said that, I don't. Guardiola spoke at Sheffield Wednesday afterwards about how tired they were from games on the road, and I think United was game number five. Maybe that was a bit of fatigue as well. Yesterday, they've now got Arsenal at home, Burnley at home, Real Madrid at home. So perhaps, you know, from Wednesday they can start building up that that momentum again for. For Real, but that is what they're building towards because that makes or breaks the season. What's left? I want to have
0: a, a quick chat about the Arsenal game uh, in a minute, but first of all, um, Phil Foden, you've um, both got differing opinions on him, haven't you? Oh, in
1: in this yeah. particular game, I think we've we both got the same opinion of him overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll let Cy I'll let si give his viewpoint first because yeah, uh, I, I want to hear this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. I thought Foden didn't do very much in the first half and then in the second half was kind of like what you wanted from City, like a bit of life, a bit of action, like United had those kind of moments like Wan-Bissaka sliding in on Sterling and yeah, it was always going out for a throwing but it got the crowd going and Sterling just had that bit of spark about him that said, you know what, no one else is doing this, I'm going to try and take this game by the scuff of the neck and... I and mean no, Foden did? Yeah, and no, and no one else. Sterling, mate, sorry. No, one but Saka could of Sterling
1: out. Yeah, no, but then you said Sterling. Oh, those. sorry,
2: sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Crucial to the argument, I know. <laughs> but um, Foden was the only one, and playing in a team of, you know, experienced players that kind of tried to do something. And I think he was one of City's three shots on target, which was a decent effort that De Gea beat away. I still, I would put him at like, a six out of ten for the game, um, but that was—I wouldn't have given anyone more than a six, and I would have given a lot of people less than a six.
1: Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I felt that it was—I felt a bit sorry for Foden in the first half because he was obviously asked to do a job which Pep quite often asks his wide players to play, which is just hug the touchline mm-hmm. and stretch the United defense. It's pretty tough stretching a five-man defense, to be honest, but. That's what he was asked to do, and the idea being that there would then be runners coming from deep and punching holes through. Now, unfortunately for Foden, De Bruyne wasn't there, and he's the man who does that brilliantly. You know, you see it time and time again that um, either the full-back or the winger goes wide, and that leaves a gap between um, the opposition full-back and central defender, and De Bruyne makes those runs in behind... And he scores goals from it, and he creates goals from it a lot. Um, but no De Bruyne, uh, uh, and there was nobody really taking advantage of, of the width that, that Foden was giving. You know, it's a sacrificial role in, in many ways. You know, he wasn't seeing a lot of the ball, but he was he was forcing United to spread spread their back five. Um, it was interesting actually because at one point Cancelo actually joined in, and he he got forward, and he made a run. Right through that gap, the gap that Foden was creating, and I looked at Pep on the touchline, and he was he had his hands above his head, applauding heartily because that was obviously his thinking. You know, you know, to try and get, try and find a gap in the in the United defense, um, but they didn't do it enough, uh, and I, I just felt that Foden's got so much talent. You want him on the ball, you want him, want him uh, creating things, whether it's against Manchester United or or Sheffield Wednesday or whoever it is, you know, that, that should be that should be his role. Um it was great that Guardiola I thought he may come off. It was obvious Mares was gonna come on, uh fresh legs and, and give a threat down the right. And I thought it'd be a straight swap. And it, I thought it was great that, that Guardiola actually took Bernardo off uh and switched Foden inside um where he's meant to play. Um and I thought Mares then started giving City a threat down the right that Foden hadn't given them, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, the fact that he, you know, he had that shot which which the did well to tip over, uh, and he was looking for the ball and trying to get on the ball, but I just thought that he didn't, you know, he, he gave the ball away quite a lot in that second half. Every time I looked up, uh, I saw Foden getting the ball and then then. Uh, misplacing his pass or not quite getting his pass right um because no one
2: else wanted to get on the ball
1: yeah 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 i mean you've got i've got i'll give i'll I'd give folding credit for the fact that he, he he was trying to do something he was trying to affect the game he was he was he was demanding the ball which is brilliant to see you know because it shows he shows just how much he has he has progressed it just wasn't his day i mean and also he, he didn't have the runners again you, you, you know, this is where you missed De Bruyne. Um, you talk about playing with players around you. The players around him weren't playing particularly well, and you can't expect a teenager to, to sort of take te- te- the game by the scruff of the neck on his own and, and, and go and win it. But uh, so, whereas I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm, I was saying it, I've, I've said that he, he didn't play particularly well, but a lot of it wasn't his fault, and I, I think there were things, there were aspects of his game that were. Good, and I think that, you know that it'll take
0: positives from it going forward. So it seems like we've got a few points there which can be uh, debated with all the fans on social media. If you want to get involved, the Twitter is at Man City M E N, or go onto the uh, Facebook page and just get into the comments on there as well. And then uh, just quickly before the podcast wraps up uh, for this week, uh, the Arsenal game. Uh, what do you make of that? What what uh, what do you reckon's going to happen there?
1: Interesting one because it's of course it's Mikel Arteta coming back, um, you know the the, the Sorcerer's Apprentice yeah. against the Sorcerer, uh, so that'll be an interesting aspect. You know Arteta knows City inside out. He's he's, he's sort of been a big figure um, under Guardiola uh, in terms of shaping this City team. You know the, the players, so many players give him credit for having improved their game. Uh, and now here he is bringing a team back, so he, he's he's got an inside track on in the way Guardiola thinks. Uh, he, he knows the strengths and weaknesses of all the players, so that'll be really interesting. One thing he doesn't know is what kind of team Pep will put out, because mm-hmm. if nobody else can guess it, so I'm not sure why why Arteta will be. I guess, um, and he also doesn't know how Guardiola's Guardiola's full of surprises in the way he sets up. You just wonder whether he'll have something something tucked away for this one. Um, something that Arteta wouldn't be aware of. Um, so it's, it's going to be an interesting tactical battle. Um, but again, it comes down to the fact of how much does City need to win this game? And I would suggest not
0: a lot, really. What do you reckon, say? Si?
2: Yeah, and an Arsenal supporting colleague got in touch on Sunday when United were winning to say, uh, oh, it's just typical this because they'll be back on it on Wednesday and they'll beat Arsenal. And it was kind of like, well, even if they're not, they'll probably still beat Arsenal because it's what they do. Because Arsenal aren't great anywhere near where they used to be. And Arteta hasn't really turned the ship around. They're drawing a lot of games. They're not losing, but they're not necessarily winning loads. Um and City are just used to battering Arsenal every time they play them. They beat them three nil in December, and it w- was almost like a non contest at times. Part of that was Kevin De Bruyne just being Kevin De Bruyne, but um, I think City make a lot of the fact that they bounce back from defeats and disappointments, and you know that's the mark of a good team that always responds. So I think we will see an improved City performance and. It, I mean, it, it was hard to imagine City losing the derby, but it's harder to imagine them mm-hmm. slipping up against Arsenal in midweek. Now, we've got no idea of what the team's going to be as of yet. Um, we're a few days out, but
0: do you want to make a prediction? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Mate. You're not even going to go there. I think I've, got his-
1: might play. <laughs> yeah, I've got a long history of making myself an idiot by trying to predict Pep
0: Guardiola teams. So. Well, fair enough, no. fair enough. Um, if you want to make a prediction in the comments, then as we said earlier, it is at Man City MEN on social media. The next game, as we've just talked about, is Arsenal. It's at the Etihad on Wednesday. Thank you very much to Science uh, and Stu for joining me this week on the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there, so... Um, Please do leave a like and uh, subscribe, and we'll see you next time.